If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Gospel series, The Parables of Jesus, The Shrewd Manager. The theme is about the measure of faithfulness is consistent in small and large areas in life. The context, in the beginning of Luke chapter 15, Jesus had an audience of tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees who all dealt with and understood the dynamics of money. Luke chapter 16 verse 1, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? Eight hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it four hundred. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it eight hundred. White Collar Crimes Jesus was a master at taking the culture, customs, and surrounding environment of the time and things people understood and create a parallel or bridge in order to explain the principles of the kingdom of God. The term white-collar crimes refers to educated professionals who steal from companies using subtle means like fudging numbers, paying themselves perks, or taking company property. The steward of the rich man was obviously dishonest and embezzling from the very beginning. The implication is that he was regularly pilfering from his master's assets for his own gain, This reminds me of what Judas Iscariot did 
one of Jesus' original twelve disciples. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, took some very expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. Judas was upset that the perfume was not sold and given to his charge so he could steal from it. John chapter 12 verse 4, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So this dishonest manager was likewise helping himself to his master's money and suddenly finally caught him. As a result, his master was going to fire him once he had given an account of things. I think the moral of this story is fire a person and let him go immediately. In Bible times, a steward, through the power of attorney, officially represented his master. He could, at his discretion, set the amount for rental payments and other charges. Those decisions were legal and binding. The master could not later dismiss them or alter the deal that the steward had made. This manager was crafty. Since he was already dishonest in little things, now he was going to be dishonest on a much grander scale. He was looking after himself and his own interests. Point being, little sins in the beginning leads to greater ones down the road. One act of cheating will require many more in order to avoid detection. It's a slippery slope. Using his power and position, he slashed the debts of his master's debtors to win their favor. He knew once he lost his job, those he helped would be obliged to come to his aid. Luke 16 verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. It is important to note that the master commending the dishonest manager was not Jesus condoning the dishonest acts of the steward. Jesus was just pointing out the way the world deals with each other. They cheat, lie, and steal. However, the people of the light are not to act in this manner. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1-11 through 11. The way of the world is to use wealth to buy friendship and influence. That is the only hope they have. Proverbs 13, 11, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Being faithful. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? The audience of tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees Jesus was speaking to were notorious for corruption. So the central theme to this parable is about being truthful and faithful to God. The use of material wealth is a great test of character. Those who cannot use it wisely are not entitled to spiritual responsibilities entrusted to them. The Pharisees were entrusted with God's word to keep it and to teach it to others. On the most part, they failed miserably. You can look at Luke chapter 11 verse 46 and verse 52 and chapter 13 verse 15 to 16. Instead, they used their position of responsibility to exploit other people of money. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17, 1 Timothy 3 8, Titus chapter 1 verse 7 and verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2, and 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 3 and verse 14. Jesus was warning people 
that they can't act shrewdly with God and think they can get away with it. It's folly for folks to play games with God, who knows our hearts and minds better than we do. So it is required for us to be faithful and honest to God in our repentance and turning to Him. We can't be like the dishonest steward who made plans, struck deals, and maneuvered his way in a manner that would be most advantageous for himself. Obviously, the Lord can see that kind of guile and duplicity. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So Jesus comes to the bottom line of this parable. We can't have one foot in the world and another one in the kingdom of God. It's an all-or-nothing proposition. Revelation chapter 3 verse 15. Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Cultural Christianity is such a scourge in our Western civilization, the allure of affluence. Many of us compartmentalize our lives into rooms. This one is for family. This one over here is for our career. This one is for our hobbies. Oh yeah, and this one over here is for church. Jesus wants to be more than just one slice in the pie of our lives. He wants to be the whole pie. The parable of the sower in the case of the weeds exposed the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that come in and choke the word of God. Mark chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Money which represents material things can be such an enticement. First Timothy chapter six, verse six through twelve, and verse seventeen to nineteen. The Lord does not mind his children being rich and to have a full supply. We see this in Deuteronomy eight verse eighteen, second Corinthians eight verse nine, Philippians four nineteen, and first Timothy six verse seventeen. He just does not want us to be covetous, materialistic, and greedy, which is idolatry. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 and 11, chapter 6 verse 10, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 through 5, and Colossians 3 5. I would like you to take note in Luke chapter 16 verse 19, there was a true story that Jesus had narrated about a rich man who had died and went to hell. This was not a parable. There was no simile, figure of speech being used. The kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is as, is a simile or a parable. This story was directed towards those who were rich as tax collectors or religious figures and really does fit the whole context of these two chapters, chapters 15 and 16. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. 
I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.